0: I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Robert. And
1: we're the Film Flamers. It's the first episode of the month, and you guys know what that means. It's time for us to shoot the flames. If you haven't heard one of these Shooting the Flames episodes before, this is a chance for Chris and I to sort of sit down and have a conversation about horror news, upcoming movies, trailers that have been released, what we've watched, what we can recommend, and most importantly, comments and questions from you, our listener. (laughs) And that's where we're going to start with right now. We've gotten a lot of reviews over the last month. And I mean, surprisingly, well, I shouldn't say surprisingly because we're awesome, but uh, (laughs) I mean, more than usual, I think. And so we really appreciate it when you guys leave us those reviews either on Apple podcast or in some
0: cases, Facebook for this month. And so let's just read a couple of those off. The first one's from Erica from the Customers Also Watched podcast. I've been subscribed for a while and love both their discussions of individual movies, as well as them shooting the flames to keep me up to date on what's new and what they've been watching. Highly recommended for fans of horror and fans of movies in general. Erica, thank you so much for that review. Uh,
1: We love your show too, very much. The concept of her show is amazing, guys. So she'll like pick a movie and then on the also recommended or customers also watched segment on Amazon Prime, she'll just watch whatever is listed there. And so she's like going down this rapid. But whole of trash for the most part and it's so fun to listen to her podcast it's a
0: really cool concept
1: yeah i mean it's great so erica thank you so much love your show you keep it up too okay we have another review on apple podcast it says uh, part of my regular rotation love it keep it up guys and that is from nyc forever lad and um not sure who you are but thank you so much for that review
0: the next review we have is from Ashley from Facebook that says, fun and insightful. Really love their take on horror films. Well, thank you, Ashley.
1: And Ashley also sent us another comment on Facebook, and she had said, I listened today for the first time and I'm hooked. Love your Rosemary's Baby and Annabelle episodes. Would love to hear your take on any of these films one day. Hereditary,
0: A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Exorcist, It Follows, the Final Girls. You know, I I can't imagine us not doing any one of those films. Although we did, of course, comment back and mm-hmm. we responded back and said uh, that we actually did cover The Final Girls with Screen Queens. Yeah,
1: way back in October for his uh, potathon, sort of a um, a fundraiser for uh, LGBT homeless, and he's doing it again this uh, October. So maybe we'll be invited back on the podcast. And I think, as far as that movie goes, I think Chris and I like it enough that. Maybe one day we might do a full episode on our own of
0: it, right? Yeah. Really, there's a lot to say.
1: Certainly, It Follows. I know for a fact, Ashley, just stay tuned, and eventually we are going to get to It Follows because we both love that movie very, very much.
0: We also have a brand new patron. Thank you so much, Ben.
1: That's right. And I don't want to create you know a whole lot of competition on Patreon or anything, but currently he's our highest-paying patron right now. So, I mean... Step it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily that, I mean, but like Ben, I mean, pretty much at this point, you can just run the show,
0: right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah essentially, anything you ask, we're, we're your slaves.
1: That's right. So
0: get on that, Ben. Tell us what to do because we don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> no, there's a plan. We always have a plan. But thank you, Ben, so much for your support
1: on Patreon. And guys, if you go to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers, you can find all of our bonus content and join people like Ben and the other patrons that we have talked about on Shooting the Flames. And there's tons of bonus content and you can interact with us. And we have a whole lot more coming soon on that particular platform. So go over there and check it out.
0: Next up, we've got listener comments.
1: That's right. So we post all of our episodes on social media, both Facebook and Twitter, and a lot of times we get a lot of comments or DMs about the specific episodes that we do. And first up, we have some comments from our top 10 horror comedies that we did back in April.
0: Mm-hmm. And Brock from, of course, The Cocktail Party Massacre says, So many good choices, gents. I think mine are Brain Dead or Dead Alive, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Dead Snow, Return of the Living Dead, Shaun of the Dead, what We Do in the Shadows and Little Shop of Horrors. That's
1: right. Some of those were on our lists. Yeah. Right? And I totally forgot about Dead Snow. I mean, what a really good movie that is. I've never seen it. It's like uh, Nazi Zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fun. So Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to see that. It's good. good. Good choices, Brock. Uh we always appreciate your comments and you know we you know we trust your opinion in horror movies already. So I mean, if we haven't seen some of those, we're certainly gonna watch them. Uh Battle Burrito at Battle Burrito on um Twitter. Twitter said the hottest guy in this list was easily Tyler Labine from Tucker and Dale versus evil. <laughs> I don't have a face to put to that. Who is this person? Which he's, one is he? he's
0: a burly hairy guy. So oh, okay. That's, yeah. Well, he's hot. Yeah. Yep. So we can see that we're, we're definitely a, uh, I mean, bring on the bears. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Our next comment comes from at Ignatius Stryga. And she says once a mini after we attend a live shadow cast of Rocky horror,
1: that's right. So we had talked about the fact that I think you hadn't seen a live version of Rocky Horror, right? Or whenever they do that.
0: Yeah, I've always meant to. I've been invited several times. It's never worked out. And
1: we had also talked about whether we were unsure if Dallas had one or not. And I looked it up and they do. They do have one. So we can attend this sort of thing. But she wants us to uh, have a little minisode about our experience. And I think that's probably something that we can do at some point, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll put on my friggin' Furter costume and just go out there. Uh, Christy from Facebook actually tagged us in one of her posts. And she said she's listening to the top ten horror comedies, hoping the voices make the list. Well, spoiler alert, it did not. And I've never seen the voices, have you? No, I don't even know what it is. It's Ryan Reynolds. I know that like he really hears voices in his head that compel him to kill people. It's a comedy, obviously, but when was this? Uh, pre the proposal, I think. Oh, so mid thousands, early yeah. thousands, maybe. So, but uh, that was the first time on Facebook we've ever been like just like tagged in a in a post by somebody before. So super appreciate that. Sorry we let you down with the voices. Uh, she also commented that maybe Slither might make the list, and it oh, didn't. Yeah. yeah, it was a runner up. Yeah, we did mention it as a runner up. So I hope you
0: enjoyed that, Christy. Mm-hmm. The next episode that we have uh, comments on is our hot take for Climax. Uh, Trace, who is a one of the hosts from
1: uh, Horror Queers, uh, he says, Yeah, I was more into it than you guys were. It's more of a sensory experience than a plot-driven film. I loved it, but I really didn't feel it until a few days later. A bit perplexed by your statement that it didn't go far enough. There's incest, rape, and child death. And then he made the shrug emoji.
0: And um, yeah, I don't know that a lot of that was implied or just – it just kind of showed very cursory glances of those things. I
1: well, and I think based on our conversation on Climax, we weren't really talking about like expecting, you know, balls to the wall craziness. Or maybe we were because we knew it was a drug movie going
0: into it. And yeah, we kept waiting for the base to drop only to find out that the base was always dropping.
1: Yeah, <laughs> constantly. I mean, and we know that these things are bad. And, you know, Gaspar Noé was like pushing these boundaries or things in this particular movie. But when you're watching a movie that is about drug use, especially a trip like that, you're always expecting something in the film to start, like look distorted or like to, to seem trippy in itself. Yeah. And really he was just trying to create an effect on the viewer, like taking drugs, very
0: visceral right. effect. And and he succeeded. But I also went into this film thinking like, or hearing at least like it was shocking, you know, and everything else. And it, it really wasn't. Um, it's the visceral feeling that you get out of this film, not anything over the top or that you hadn't really seen before. Yeah, I would think that, I mean, based
1: on the the incest subplot or whatever, I mean, unless you were, like, hardcore paying attention to the movie, which we were, you know, but, like, that brother and sister duo... It certainly
0: wasn't a big plot point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would forget at some point, you know, what was going on. I mean, like, they said they were brother and sister beginning, and then toward the end is when they're, like, doing it. But um, to your point... I agree. It took me days after watching this movie to sort of like really feel the effects of it and to understand the artistic integrity behind it. And now that it's been released, I am looking forward to watching it again. I really want to compare my first experience to a second one and you know maybe we can come back and talk about it again at some point.
0: But. Yeah, I feel like I'm finally ready to. It's like I was like I don't need to see this film again, but I think I'm finally ready and interested enough that I could see it again
1: and i think that is is good filmmaking i think if you can walk out of a movie and say well once is enough for me and then like months later say no i think i need to watch it one more time you know just to to be sure or like to to understand what the movie's trying to say or whatever um I mean, that's great filmmaking. It's also good drug making, too, I suppose. I mean, like, you get that first free piece and then you have to go back again and again. So, I mean, hey.
0: I just know it's probably not going to happen, at least for me, because even though I'm willing to, because there's just so many things, especially now as a podcaster... Like, I feel like I need to watch all these newer things that are coming out constantly, you know? So it's just, like, my backlog is just getting larger and larger. But the things that I need to watch in the here and now is also getting larger and larger. So it's just, like, impossible to circle back sometimes.
1: And that's very true. I mean, but, I mean, you know me, Chris. And, like, how many times do I go back and watch a movie that I've seen a thousand times already before? Yeah. So I will definitely be watching Climax again. In fact, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime last night just like the, the recent movies that have come out and the, the the Prodigy was on there and we had talked about that on yep. episodes before and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I really want to watch that. And I kept scrolling and then Climax was there and I was just like, do I want to watch Climax again or watch <laughs> The Prodigy? And I was like, you know, if I had to make my choices right now, I'd probably pick Climax again. Really? And what the hell does that say about me as a film watcher that I wouldn't watch something I had not seen before?
0: That's I think that's anything though. I think that's the knee jerk. Like you want your more comfortable, you know, you want your peanut butter and jelly or macaroni and cheese rather than, you know,
1: that's true.
0: I mean, we want, we, we reach out to what we're comfortable with or something. And, and like there's, there's always that risk of not liking something, especially if we know that it came out with like kind of bad reviews, which is in the case with prodigy. Yeah. We know something that's a safe bet, you Mm -hmm. know,
1: And I mean, Climax got, you know, decent reviews. And I mean, while I don't want to sit here and talk about this movie all over again, because we've already done that, I will say that I did message Chris like days afterward and said, like, I'm still thinking about this movie. Yeah. And I've rewatched that opening dance sequence like so
0: many times. I did go back on YouTube and watch that and show other people. That's true.
1: Well, and I've been listening to that song, like, a lot, just on, like, Google Play Music, too. So, I mean. such a good song. I've got to leave Climax alone. So, uh, thank you, Trace, for that comment. Um, I appreciate your comments on horror movies, too, a lot. So, keep it coming. If you
0: have anything to say about our reviews, we want to open up a dialogue. Next up, we have a question from at Ignatia Straga. If you were lured into a trap, what would be the bait that gets you through the door and into the killer's lair? For me, it would probably be a giant plate of cheese sticks and marinara.
1: That might also get me into the killer's lair, because I do like fried cheese or fried anything. A fried shoe. I'd
0: eat it. <sighs> the first thing that came to my mind was like a friend or a family member like beckoning me or something.
1: Oh, you're a much better person than I am oh My God, because <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, like, I'm a pretty simple man and there are a few things that I like. Right. But if I were standing in like a doorway, even if I knew it was like going to lead me into danger and there was like a hot guy holding a beer and a cigarette, I'd be like, I'm going in there. So, yeah. I always feel bad after your answers. Then <laughs> you're like you have to save somebody, and I'm like I want a beer. Well, let's pretend you
0: can't choose cheese sticks. Just the guy in the cigarette.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, if he was like, "Come in here, I have a cigarette and a beer," I'm like, "Okay."
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Every single fucking time it would get me.
0: All right. Well, oh. that's a good question, though. Thank you. Well, you've seen hostels, so just be careful when you go overseas in the fall.
1: Well, if I see a hot guy in France holding a cigarette and a beer and beckoning me into a dark corridor, I will think three times before I go. Good. I mean, but if you're going to die, I mean, die happy. Finally, we have a call-in question to our Film Flamers hotline. If there's anything we enjoy more than comments and questions on social media, it's when you call in and we get to hear your own voice asking us a question.
0: And this is a voicemail left to us by Stacy. Let's take a listen.
1: Hi, guys.
2: Stacy here. Um, I just finished uh, recently your hot takes on Pet Cemetery, and it got me thinking about the current resurgence of Stephen King novels and the remakes that they're doing. Um, I was wondering what you guys would like to see remade kind of with a modern take, um, any of the previous films that have been made. Um also a bonus question. If you could have one novel remade that hasn't been done yet from Stephen King, what would that be? Um I will also accept novellas or a short story. Um also comment, keep up the great work. You guys are doing a great job. Love the podcast. Bye. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Stacy. I've made it no secret that I love Stephen King. I have talked about him at length on Shooting the Flames episodes, and we've brought him up in the past. And I, I love the resurgence in Stephen King currently. It makes me happy to see anything that you know, has his name attached to it. As far as movies that have already been made that I want to see remade, I think mostly I would love to see a remake of Firestarter the original star Drew Barrymore, way back in the early eighties. And it was it was really good, but I think that they they missed a couple things from that book that we could show on screen today or whatever. And I I would love to see what kind of child actress they would choose to play that particular role and what they would do with that movie today.
0: I think I would like a remake of the Lingoliers. Ooh. Yeah. With updated effects and maybe more like a another miniseries or something um so they can do the novels right rather than have split out up into multiple movies or try and you know fit it all into one um uh, i think that is something i would be interested in and then as far as something that hasn't been done yet um i'm not familiar enough with stephen king's stuff um i'd really like to see like the dark tower series honestly done but i know that was just made into a movie but it was a shit movie so you want to see it done well i'd like to see it done well like as a mini series i think yeah um, I think, or even a full series like Game of Thrones style, you know, I think that would be great. I think yeah.
1: that, I think that Stephen King lends himself to that long format storytelling. So even like, <clears throat> even though I've already said a remake, I mean, I think that like the stand would also be a good remake. And I think that the dark tower as a miniseries, you're right, would be fantastic. And I would love to see that made as of things that have not been made for me. He wrote a book very early in his career. I think it was under his pen name, Richard Bachman. It was called, um, <sighs> Rage. Maybe I, I can't remember the name of the, the book. So forgive me. I'm sorry. I promise I am a Stephen King fan, but it's really about this guy, like holding his class hostage. It was sort of a, like a, a school shooting story before school shootings still like happened. And I would love to see what someone would do with that. Cause for me, while Stephen King's horror work is great on screen, I think when you, have some of his more dramatic storytelling done, they turn out to be just fantastic movies, Mm -hmm. things like the Shawshank Redemption or Stand By Me. And so if you have a story that's more horror, yeah, yeah. have a story that's more horror adjacent and not just like straight up in like, you know, horror territory. I think that, you know, we really get to see where, where Stephen King can shine. And I think that, I mean, by and largely he is one of the greatest storytellers of our time and really, Anything that he's written could be a great movie or TV show. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's 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 the shitty answer to your question, Stacey. I'm sorry. Everything. I want to see everything made.
0: And thank you both for your questions. Uh, please feel free to give us questions on social media or call into our hotline at 972-666-7733. We'd love to hear your voice, guys. Send them in.
2: Horror News.
0: This just in. (laughs) American Horror Story 1984 cast revealed for the ninth season. Right. And it's also been renewed up into the
1: 10th season already. So before the ninth season come out, we know we're going to have a 10th season as well. It just seems
0: so strange that it's already in a ninth season.
1: Where has the time gone? Is
0: it really the ninth? Yeah. Holy crap. I know, right? I think because, like, okay, we
1: can get into a conversation about American Horror Story now for a minute, right? And I think that... At least for me, these seasons always start out so promising, especially because they have this huge social media buildup before each season starts. Mm -hmm. And I already feel invested in it before I get to watch the first episode. And then by like halfway through the season, I'm already done with it. I'm like, oh, my God, they don't know how to like keep the
0: storyline going at all. How do you feel about American Horror Story in that regard? Uh, they keep trying new things and they keep surprising me. Like, what what are they going to do next? You know, and, and at some point they're not going to be able to go to like a bread and butter American Horror Story, right? They're You know, or something that we expect. They're going to start creating their own mythology, which we saw, we've seen a little bit of them do in the past few seasons, especially mm-hmm. with like Apocalypse, right?
1: Well, and with that being said, uh, we talked on our last Shooting the Flames episode about the trailer for the new American Horror Story Season 9, which is called 1984. Um, and it Looks to be a very throwback-oriented 1980s slasher-centric yeah, season, totally. which I'm totally game for. I
0: would love to see that. And, and Emma Roberts is going to be back. That's and, right. Um, Evan Peters is out. He's out? Yep. Oh, really? So it would be the first
1: season without Evan Peters. And he has always been a staple in American Horror Story. Yeah, the main he's been appeared in right? all eight previous seasons. That's right. And, uh, but new to the cast is Gus the, Kenworthy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
0: The uh, gay Olympic athlete who is completely fucking hot. He's so hot. But he's going to be actually a yet unnamed boyfriend of Emma Roberts'
1: character. Love it. I love her on that show, too. Every time she pops up, she's so good. Did you ever watch Scream Queens, which is like the- no Ryan Murphy's Fox show right Uh, and it was supposed to take off sort of like American Horror Story and have a different story each season right Mm. and the first one was based around a sorority right and she was such a bitch on that show it was so fun (laughs) to watch I love it she plays a bitch so well I will say, like, I like the premise of this, and I also read an article separate from um, the one that we're talking about now, and they said that if you're a fan of 80 slashers, then you're in for a treat. So, I mean, they're really sort of building this up, and I hope there's not a letdown. There we go. I'm in for it. Uh, The fifth Purge movie is going to be released in July 2020, so um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I love this franchise. I've never seen a single one. That is bullshit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like I asked, I was so so intrigued by the premise of the first one, mm-hmm. and then uh, I talked with multiple people, including you, I believe, Probably. and I was like, "Now, does it get into the socio like political like elements of this stuff? Like the and and you were, and people were like, they kind of reach out for that, and then they just don't do it. It just turns into you know." You know, not what I was expecting from the trailer.
1: Not in the very first I thought – I wanted to be
0: more cerebral, I guess, like a, more of an explore, exploration of, you know, cultural psychology and that kind of situation, right? And but that's really what
1: it has become.
0: The, the very first Purge They is, do a lot more showing than not telling, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first Purge is my favorite, but um... – it's sort of an enclosed, small setting, small cast kind of environment on this one night of the purge. And since then, they have gone to show like what the purge is like in inner cities like New York or they did one in like Staten Island was the latest one. And it was the, the, the first purge to show like how the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really has become this socioeconomic backdrop to, to horror. And I I really appreciate it very, very much. Um Eventually, though, I think it's going to run out of steam, and I'd rather them stop while they're ahead. You know, we don't want to get into saw territory. And uh, by the time we get to like Purge Ten, we're just not going to be able to to stomach it anymore, I suppose. But I mean, th- they haven't said anything about what Purge Five is going to be about, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see.
0: The next thing on our list is that the uh, new mutants are pushed back yet again to April of 2020.
1: We are never going to see this fucking movie, (laughs) ever.
0: Yeah, we were talking about, like, Baby Kill Bill was, like, Baby Kill Bill back then. Oh, I'm sorry. That's from uh, Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) I should should say Aya Stark and Maisie
1: Williams.
0: (laughs) But Baby Kill Bill is so good, it just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah, Baby Kill Bill was a baby when she shot this, and now she's doing full frontals, apparently. I mean, for real, though. I mean, like
1: on Game of Thrones, she's, like, disrobing and boning and whatnot, and then, like, meanwhile, New Mutants was made... Forever ago, at least like two or three years ago yeah. at this point, uh-huh. right? They have been teasing this movie forever. I can remember when it was first announced that it was coming out, and I went to see a movie and they had the the poster up, and that was years ago. Yep. I have I mean it's almost unheard of for a studio to like have yeah. this kind of push. And I then feel take like it I back. saw
0: this trailer like five years ago or something. Yes. I know that's not true, it just seems like it, and it's just why? Why is this happening? This happened to It Follows in a couple other movies we've talked about. So I don't know. I don't know why it's being pushed back. I know that a lot of biggies are getting uh, pushed for the summer and spring releases, like Star Wars, and yeah. you know, everything else is coming out.
1: Well, so, and maybe I mean, like, isn't there some sort of talk about like the X Men sort of joining the MCU or something? Yeah, like that? well, that's I mean, happened.
0: Yeah. Disney has bought the Fox properties right. for that, so the things like Fantastic Four and X Men and all of that Spider-Man? are now. Oh wait, is that uh, Sony Spider-Man still Sp- Sony? So they have their own separate deal. Yeah. But yeah, that's all happening. And so theoretically, in the next five or so years, we're probably going to get some X-Men films actually done by Marvel Studios. Thank fucking Christ. I did
1: read something and it's probably like one of those random articles that people just like lie about when they write about
0: some sort of Avengers versus X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Did you see that article? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like superhero movies, but I would watch that.
0: Uh, AVX is a was a big thing back about five years ago in the comics.
1: Oh, so it actually exists. There's a yes. storyline for this.
0: There's a whole storyline about it. Yeah. So uh, it was actually pretty interesting. It involves Phoenix and all that stuff. And there's like – yeah, they basically just threw everything at the wall to see what would stick in one storyline. I'm not the biggest fan of it, Hmm. uh, but it was pretty epic.
1: I do like the X-Men though. Yeah. But I will say that when when a studio chooses to push a movie back many, many times – Oftentimes, they think it's because it's bad or it's not going to make any money or something. Or they're waiting
0: for like a, they're, they're really waiting for the best place in the schedule where they think it will perform the best. And a lot of times that is because it's just they don't have much faith in it. But we keep seeing films that, that that's happened to that are actually good. Right. So they really, in a, so a lot of the times that has like, they want the film to have legs. And if a, a big giant movie is coming out the next weekend or two weeks later or something, then it can't have that legs, right? There's only so much theater-going experience to go around. Do you think – because I mean I know that comic book
1: movies make a lot of money and they have a lot of marketing push behind them, right? And this one is sort of – I mean it is a horror movie involving – Superheroes. Do you think that maybe the studio thinks it's not going to make any money? Right. They don't have the audience for that sort of thing. Or... I don't
0: know. And they already played with you know making it like a mini series or something on Hulu, right? Or just releasing it on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. And yet yeah. that's just not happening. So it'll be interesting to see the stories that come out regarding this after it's re- revealed. Like what's what's all going on behind the scenes here.
1: Well, and meanwhile we've already seen a teaser trailer, so I already know it's going to be good. I mean, it's got Baby Kill Bill. It's got Anya Taylor Joy. I mean, like it's going to be a good movie. Regardless, just Mm. release it already. My God. So Cannes is going on right now at the time of this recording. And anyone who watches movies knows that the Cannes Film Festival is like the start of the movie watching year, right? Mm. So... Anybody who is anybody who has made a movie they think is good enters it into Cannes. Things get shown there. It's the start
0: of award season. What's the, on, uh, what's the reward? Isn't like the Palme d'Or. The or Palme something?
1: d'Or. Yes, yeah, the, the 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 main prize at Cannes. And this year at Cannes, a director of note has received the Golden Coach Award, and that is the one and only John Carpenter. Yay! And the only reason I found out about this is that my friend Aaron, who is a, also a huge horror fan, sent me a text message. He's like, did you see this? And apparently he showed up to a full auditorium of people who gave him this long standing ovation to celebrate his body of work. And rightfully so. I mean, if you're going to have a festival of movies, celebrating movies and the making of movies, John
0: Carpenter is one of those directors, especially horror directors, who needs to be recognized for his body of work. I mean, like between like Halloween and the thing and they live, I mean, you can't get better than that. You can't. You're right. And John
1: Carpenter has been away from the movie making scene for quite some time. I think his last movie was in like 2010, the woods. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, he hasn't done a whole lot since then, except for like, put out some music. I think there's like some video game stuff, but he said in an interview at Cannes that he is ready to get behind the camera again. He's just waiting for the right project. And if we all know John Carpenter, that project is going to be just immense at this point. He loves to have a lot of like political, you know, subtext in his movies. And yeah, I think that given the current time period, I think he's probably got something that he's ready to do. At any rate, I mean, thank you, France, for honoring John Carpenter. America, get on board. The Oscars are coming up and um, I'm sure he can have a lifetime achievement award there, too.
0: Next up, the University of Pennsylvania gets Romero archives. That's right. So I know that...
1: This university has gotten access and now is in possession of, you know, all the archives that Romero's widow had. And it includes, you know, scripts for all of his movies, especially Night of the, Night of the Living Dead. It's been annotated. All some film reels. Yeah. They have like some like props and things like that from all his sets. Notes. And yeah. And he has many, many unproduced screenplays, right? And so oh, wow. like they have access to all that. But in this article, they talk about this university wanting to create an environment and a place for film students or horror film lovers to sort of come and learn about the craft and I think that they're using this as a building block to add more stuff to it come on, come all learn about Jorge <laughs> and I mean I love Jorge Romero and if this library has got things on display for me to look at I'm going to have to make some sort of pilgrimage mm-hmm. so I mean thank you Pennsylvania you've finally gotten me to come to your state Coming soon. Uh, we've talked about a trailer for Child's Play before, but they have all been sort of short. And since our last Shooting the Flames episode where I think we talked about the teaser trailer,
0: they have since released a full one. with Complete with Mark Hamill's... Weird little voice at the end. And that's exactly what everybody was waiting to hear. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, I already know I want to see this movie. The only thing I want to know is how does Mark Hamill sound? And Chris, where are you on the spectrum of Mark Hamill in this role?
0: Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I I have faith in Mark Hamill's voice acting ability and hopefully the direction that kind of led him to do that voice. I like Brad Dourif's voice. I've always liked it. Um, Brad Dourif's amazing and a horror icon himself. However, uh Mark Hamill is an icon in voice acting history. Yeah. Um and the things that he's been able to achieve in his voice, anything from the Joker to Wolverine, uh and everything in between, like this completely different voices. And uh and he can do it all. And so I heard a little bit of this and I was like, "Hmm, that's an interesting direction to go in." But uh I have faith that in the wider context it's going to be iconic. So, I have I have complete faith.
1: And to me it didn't sound very different from brad doris chucky i mean like i mean maybe a cadence or so off you know but i mean essentially
0: it sounded very similar to me and they might be trying to capitalize a little bit on mark hamill's celebrity that's true so especially with uh, star wars resurgence of his career so
1: when i think in the long run not that
0: his career has ever suffered no
1: no he's always been working But uh, I know that this movie has got people up in arms like no other, like people just don't want a remake of Child's Play and they don't want Chucky to sound any different than Brad Dourif and blah, 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 blah. And so I could totally see someone saying, well, can you do it a little bit more like Brad Dourif, you know, or whatever, just to like try to get that audience in. But at this point, I mean, either you want to see it or you don't. I would like like to know? know the story
0: behind that. Maybe it's as simple as Brad Dourif didn't want to go back and do it again.
1: It's possible. I mean, he's still doing like Child's Play movies now. So, I mean, like, Cult of Chucky came out, I mean, a year, year or two ago, and he still did The Voice. I don't know why they didn't go after him. It's kind him. of a bread
0: and butter easy thing to do. Yeah. You, you don't think that a celebrity would easily give away that away. So, who knows? So, based on this trailer, do you want to
1: see it any more or less than the than the teaser? Uh, Just the same. I'm looking forward
0: to it because it looks new and different
1: yeah, I mean, me too. I'm gonna to watch it regardless. I'm gonna watch it in the theater. and um, I mean, it's gonna be hard to not compare it. But like we talked about in our pet cemetery episode, The Hot Take, I mean, like you just really can't compare these
0: remakes all the time. Honestly, can- I think the best voice for Chucky at this point would be Bradley Cooper. Based on his voice for Rocket Raccoon.
1: <laughs> oh wait, I went straight to a Star is Born. So I'm
0: <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is he gonna sing <laughs> <laughs> one of those? <laughs> and uh, that would be even creepier. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm in it just because of the actors that are in it, or at least namely one actor that's in it, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Fucking air. Yeah. I mean, my god, she looks I'll watch like a just for that? Ugh. I hope they let her be Aubrey Plaza. I just
1: went down this weird ass like rabbit hole of a video i don't know where i saw it maybe probably on facebook because i'm never on youtube but it was like a a, this rough cut of aubrey plaza on different like late night talk shows and how fucking weird she is right and it had me cracking up from start to finish and so i really want to see her in something that's dramatic like
0: this you really still need to see her in legion I'm, oh my god! I'm, I do need to watch Legion. I never thought she had acting chops like that. And then there was just one in particular scene where she's just supposed to do basically a music video as like this main bad guy or whatever in Legion. Uh huh. And she just oh, goes she's a villain. At it. Yeah, she's a villain.
1: Oh fuck. And me. she
0: and she plays several different parts, flavors of that. It's it's weird. It's interesting. Yeah, she plays a like a junkie, and then she also plays like the villain villain. And uh, she gets this like dancing, singing scene or whatever, where they just basically said, do what you think is right. Really? Yeah. And I because I had I went back. I was like, this scene was so masterfully done that they choreographed and everything. It was so great. Like, it just felt right. And I went back and it was like, yeah, that was just Aubrey Plaza doing what she wanted to do. I was like, what? (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: I am so intrigued at this particular moment. I love Aubrey Plaza. So, yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Uh, the next trailer that was released recently was a trailer for the movie Crawl where people do a lot of swimming. <laughs> yeah, but they are not the ones crawling, a particular animal is crawling, but they're also swimming. That's true.
0: These animals are squiggling through the water Well, and the I people mean, but, are swimming in the water and it's about a, like a flood. It's like a like almost seems like a hurricane yeah, based a hurricane. natural disaster based yeah. flood where like they're trying to escape their houses and like kind of but there's something in the water. And so they're swimming around, the monsters are swimming around, they're under the surface, and the movie's called Crawl. Well, it's an alligator. And they can crawl. Is it? Is it an alligator? Yeah, I thought it was like a, tentacles and shit. No, it's an alligator. Oh. Yeah. Did that wasn't didn't show the alligator in the
1: trailer? Yeah, I think they I think they did. Really? It's about an alligator. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that.
0: I thought it was like sci-fi. So
1: like, no, no, no. So like the flood comes, right? The hurricane comes and the flood hits the, the home and okay. your home is underwater. And the water that's rushing in also has alligators in it who are <laughs> trapping these people. in the, A monstrous alligator. I would assume bigger than normal. I mean, probably not like placid size, but still formidable.
0: I don't. Really? I really, I thought they alluded that it was like something different. And it could be at, but that actually makes me more intrigued if it's like a real world situation. Yeah. So it's people
1: trapped in their house with an alligator. Oh,
0: see, I thought it was more of like a worldwide, like the things came in with the flood type of situation. Maybe I watched too much us. Anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, poor Jordan Peele. <laughs> Uh Yeah. So, I mean, but like this movie looks like so much fun just just for that. I mean, like people trapped in a house with an alligator. Not to mention the director of this movie is one of my favorite new horror directors, uh, Alexandra Aja. Right. What else did he do? High Tension. Oh, yeah. And the Hills Have Eyes remake. Oh. And the Piranha remake. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Piranha 3D.
1: Uh whatever one had Elizabeth Shue in it.
0: It's classic cinema. I mean, it really is. You do get to see a three D penis float through the water. That's just <laughs> been bitten off by piranhas. So I mean so Good score. And it's Jerry O'Connell's penis, I believe.
1: Oh. Stand by be, me. <laughs> I'd rather be attached to him, actually.
0: Oh, yeah, well, he was a douche in that movie. He was uh, he was playing a uh was it The Girls Gone Wild? Yeah, producer he was. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, playing yeah. the Girls Gone Wild producer or whatever. He played it really well.
1: I love that movie. I yeah. also love High Tension. I think High Tension is one of the the, the best horror movies made since like you know, two thousand. Yeah. And um, this director is amazing. So I, I can't wait to see what he does with this. And okay. it seems like a whole lot of fun. When does it come out? Um, it comes out in June. Oh. I
0: think. So. Th- quote unquote this month yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we may or may not be recording the month ahead it's coming soon <laughs> speaking of coming soon ish it chapter 2 trailer dropped fuck me an again oh yeah. my god I can't wait for this.
1: Really, I really love the first it so much. It was good. I mm. guess it
0: chapter one is what we're. That was calling a masterful trailer. I, I love trailers that actually show like scenes essentially, and it was just one long scene, and then it kind of quickly does some you know quick takes after that, but. It was such a good scene of her Jessica Chastain going back into town or whatever.
1: Really. I mean, and if you're going to like showcase one of these, I mean, I think that the cast of It Chapter 2, the 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 adults they got to play these roles is so good. I think it's amazing how they paired them up to the the child actors. Um, but if you're gonna feature an actor in a long scene like that, it might as well be Jessica Chastain. I mean, she Oh yeah. I mean, like she's she's just amazing.
0: There's some heavyweights besides her in this film too. Like Bill
1: Hader, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's gonna be really, really good. At least I hope so. The thing is for this trailer, I was waiting and waiting and waiting, as we all have been, for a trailer for this movie. And the opening part with just that scene of Beverly in her old house or old apartment with yeah. that creepy ass old lady was good. Unfortunately, the end of this trailer, when they start doing all those blast cuts to like the kids and like them walking as adults to the city, I was like, you don't need that. This is a teaser trailer. Just drop it after that scene, and that would have been the perfect end of that trailer. I think they went a little too far for me, so now I'm a
0: little, you know, like apprehensive. I don't know, like I, you know, the first part was for people like fans like us. The second was for fans that want the popcorn horror. Yeah, right. Right. And it took both groups to make the the first one do so well. Right. It's really catering to. The hardcore horror fans as well as the casual horror fans and it's kind of rare that a film does that and that's why a lot of people are behind this franchise so i guess it's not a franchise so much as it's just a series but Either yeah. way. Well, I mean cuz I mean if I
1: swear to god if they make an it chapter 3 and it goes beyond Stephen King's book that would be
0: Oh uh, yeah, don't do that. But sacrilege. One thing that I really like hearing out of this is like the kids were all like, "Yeah, we weren't too terrified, but he was scary the first time we saw him, like the clown." Mm-hmm. The adult actors are coming out and saying, "He's so terrifying." Like <laughs> <laughs> he's even more terrifying this like gets like yeah, because things that that terrify an adult are different than the things that terrify a child, right? You can almost go cartoonish with the things that, that that terrify a child versus an adult. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how they they update that and the things because what he would turn into in the books were like the, the movie monsters, you know, like the universal uh monsters, right? The the werewolves and the dry and the Well vampires that was when they were kids. Like so, yeah, I mean, like when they're so adults, when they're adults. Crazy. So what but for the movie, they translated that to much more gross and disgusting things mm-hmm. to kind of update that, right? For the modern audience. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they update it for the modern adult audience for Chapter 2. And uh, I can't wait to see this movie because I just – I. It's it's going to be everything. I, I I hope I'm 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 probably putting too much into it.
1: Well, and I don't want to
0: do that too because I I, I put a whole lot into the first. It I just movie. want to have fun. It's not going to be like Schindler's List or anything. God, my God. But you know, I just want to have fun and be entertained. And I know it's going to do that. And it is it looks competently made and well acted, and that's all I can I can ask for. And you know, maybe be a little scared.
1: Well, and honestly, I need to like put expectations aside there there are many movies that get teased you know when they're being made right and then even even during production i'm like oh i want to see this i want to see this before i even know what the movie's about or having seen a trailer i mean on coming up in our recommendation section i'm going to talk about something similar and i wanted to see the first chapter of it so badly and i went into it expecting the best and i got the best Right, and so I just I I really want Lightning to strike twice and have yeah. a fantastic bookend to this, something that I consider to be a whole movie.
0: But honestly, the story is bigger than than the movie in a way, right? Because it's like a, to me, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it was all like I needed. It was it was more than I could have asked for, and that's what I want a second time. And I think that's achievable because it's the same team. Yeah, I think know? so as well. So g- good on it.
1: Uh next up is uh midsomar and we had talked about this on another shooting the flames when they released the teaser and you can it just looked, say midsummer. It's is like, that is that what it is? Yeah. I mean like Mid. I mean it's midsummer. I think they even say that in yes. the in the
0: trailer, it's right? It's midsummer. It's just spelt all Scandinavian. But oh my even more god. This <laughs> 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 the first trailer teaser for this I wasn't too impressed with. I was just like, okay, I get it, Colty, what a blah blah. But this full trailer is amazing. It's yes. such a good trailer crazy. It's so
1: crazy. I mean, I liked the teaser because, I mean, I... Okay, so we've already talked about how we feel about Hereditary, right? And it's it was a well-made movie. We had some issues with it. But... I'm curious to see what Ari Aster does afterward. And I think based on this, like, he's going to give us another well-acted, well-made horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And and smart. It looks like a smart movie. And based on the teaser, you really don't know what's going on. And in this longer trailer, we sort of, you know, get a more idea of what, what the story is. And it just looks incredible it looks beautiful to me and i know we've had conversations on this podcast before about style over substance right and it looks like this movie could be sort of like eh, on the
0: like the cusp of that well right? hereditary was yeah and you know i'm one of the people that didn't like hereditary as much as some others a lot of uh, the horror community went crazy for it and i didn't as much i liked it um i certainly didn't not like it um you know so i'm hoping that To me, this movie looks like even more interesting to me. Uh, so if anything, I think I'm going to like it more just based on this full trailer.
1: Well, I am getting like some crazy wicker man vibes from this. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just, I mean, I am so on board for it. I was not expecting that trailer to drop and I saw it randomly on Twitter while I was scrolling through it. And I watched the whole thing and I was just like, Oh my fucking
0: God. Well, I like the tropes that are attached to this, like the trapped in open space, um, stranger in a strange land Mm -hmm. type of situation. That's what I liked most. I think about the American version of like, say the grudge, uh, was like that, you know, um agoraphobia esque kind of quality to it. Right. And uh this this looks like that's gonna hit it on that nail on the head for me.
1: Not to mention toward the end of that trailer where they have that like deformed face like sort of like laying down in the bed looking at the camera. I mean like I didn't expect some like that level of makeup tree or whatever to like
0: Zelda, how'd show? you get in this movie?
1: <laughs> oh my God, it's Pet Cemetery three. But yeah, I mean it just looks insane. And, I mean, the cast looks pretty. I mean, I just, I'm all about it, really. Yeah. Not to mention, I mean, like, the whole thing looks really sunshiny, right? And in horror movies, you don't get that very often. Everything is so dark and dreary in nighttime. And this mm. looks like full-on daytime horror, and I'm like, bring it to me yep. right now. That's another thing I like about it. So, look forward to that midsummer. I think it comes out in July sometime, yeah. yeah. The next trailer is for a piece of trash we like to call Rock, Paper, Scissors. Well, we don't like to call it that. That's the actual name of this movie, Rock, Paper, Scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, before I came over to record this podcast, I was, again, scrolling through something on social media because that's what I do. And the, I, I don't know where I saw this, but I sat there and watched this whole trailer for a movie called Rock, Paper, Scissors about a serial killer who plays Rock, Paper, Scissors with his victims. Rock- paper die uh it looks like a piece of trash really and that makes me
0: very excited to see it well they're doing some things in this film that just pissed me off already in the trailer like the whole nursery rhyme thing or whatever the child's game trope you know let's just base a horror movie off of this or that right yeah it seems kind of formulaic and the worst crime is they're putting an incredibly hot man and a stupid fucking doll mask (laughs)
1: For real, I mean, I'm. I know. So Chris was watching this trailer before we started to record, and he was like, "Take off that mask, you're hot." And I'm like, "I agree." And I was like, "Why would you do this?" It's and they're terrible. inconsistent
0: too, because he like puts the mask on to kill them or whatever, but he has the mask off when he's like talking to them, so it doesn't really make sense. Well, he other really than to wants have a creepy to see mask. his hot
1: ass face before they die. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, but like, so you get the idea that if he plays rock paper scissors with his victim and they win he'll let them go Yeah, I bet but hell, yeah. that doesn't seem to happen
0: like I'll, it's probably an easy death quick death versus hard death or something
1: I mean but we have to talk about the level of acting that is in this movie already uh, Michael Madsen is this and it, it, it looks like his finest
0: performance
1: <laughs> really I mean, so he is just so over the top he, he didn't have hammy. Tarantino
0: to, to, to rein him in so he's always
1: <laughs> if he can even st- do that too staring
0: directly into the camera and screaming at him it in this trailer so but let's not forget
1: that oscar winner tatum o'neill is in this movie too so i mean they've got some high caliber acting going on we'll see see i mean i'm gonna watch this movie as soon as it comes out uh you know it's gonna be a good movie when the end of the trailer says look for it on vod and dvd yeah it's like a who's who whatever happened to them (laughs) (laughs) well they made this movie
2: okay recommendation
1: well, it's time to move on from movies that have not come out and that we haven't seen to pieces of – well, I can't say movies. This of the shit. Pieces of shit we have seen. <laughs> Sometimes. It's time to move on to movies that we have watched recently, and we want to tell you all about it. Uh, we'd like to be able to like tell you go watch this or stay away at all all costs.
0: Yeah. So I've continued to watch the Alien shorts uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the film Alien, obviously. And of course, the Alien shorts have continued, right? So uh, the last one I saw was Night Shift. I have not seen some of the the later ones that have come out since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night Shift was a kind of a meh one, in my opinion. But they're all really well made and worth a, worth a shot. I've seen several that have been excellent. So make sure when, since they're all out now, I would definitely make sure everyone sees all of those so all of those will be linked in the show notes and that is
1: exactly what I was waiting for I wanted them all to be released so I could sort of sit down and watch them all like back to back to yeah. back you know because I know that once I if if I had watched them when they were released one by one I would have been pissed off by the end of the first one I just
0: hope they're more. on YouTube by now because they were really hard to find on IGN and that just pissed me off
1: well, thankfully, you linked all these things in the show notes, right? Yeah, so, I so mean, it's super helpful for yes. everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we couldn't find the trailer for The Lodge, but uh, Chris made sure you had these shorts, so go watch them. So I watched a movie that's a little outside of my wheelhouse. I have said before in this podcast that I suffer from superhero fatigue, and um, I'm just not as excited about some of these superhero movies that are coming out. But I know that my husband really wanted to go see Avengers Endgame, and I needed to sort of catch up. You know, a little. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to watch Avengers Infinity War and I had messaged Chris and I was like, do I really need to watch Thor Ragnarok? He's already told me many times that I would enjoy this movie and I was going to just brush it to the side and just go straight into Infinity War. And my husband said, well, you might as well watch it. It's on Netflix. It's not going to hurt anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fine. So he and I both sat down to watch Thor Ragnarok and my God. What a good movie that is. I'm telling
0: you, you need to – yeah, you can't be – you can't have – it's it's difficult to have fatigue of an entire genre if that's what we're calling it I guess now because uh, a lot of these movies are more comedy or more political thriller or like this or that, right? But of the entire – they do share a universe, right? So you really have to kind of judge each of these movies on their own merits. Uh, just like you would horror, you know, uh, there's certainly different, the difference between like Silence of the Lambs and, you know snow zombies or whatever
1: you rock, know those, paper, scissors. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors.
0: Yeah. there's there's a big difference right so it's like you've got to, you can't just watch one of those and then judge the whole genre right it's easy to do that especially when you're seeing these movies just churn out you start to feel like you're being left behind it's too much work to catch up to it you don't barely care to begin with yeah I get it but it's like some of these are really really good like you experienced with Thor Ragnarok so I'm really glad you got the chance to see it
1: and that is exactly the point of me talking about this fatigue is that Every time I turn around, it seems like there was another one and another one and another one. Yeah, and, and was that's just how a like, lot of
0: people feel about horror and the horror ghetto, right? The quote-unquote oh, horror true. ghetto, the sci-fi ghetto. There's people that just disdain fantasy or sci-fi or horror or this or that for X reasons, right? And those reasons just don't hold any water. And we're all guilty of it, right? We all have our elitism towards certain things in life. Um, but we've got to just like step back and like start judging things individually because I've yeah. done that.
1: Well, and I do that all the time, really. But I mean, but I really, really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. It was like. It's a perfect movie almost. (laughs) I mean, it's well acted, it's well paced, it's beautiful to look at, it's well directed. I mean, characters that I didn't really care for in the universe, I now care for quite a bit. And there are new characters coming in. That Valkyrie is by far my favorite character in the entire Marvel universe (laughs) at this point. Drinks.
0: I just. They nailed a tone. Love her.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a great movie. And so I was, like, literally crying at one point watching this. It was so good. And my husband looked over, and he was just like, see, don't poo-poo the superhero movies before you see them. And I'm like, you're right. You're right, baby. <laughs> and then we watched Avengers Infinity War, and I was just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you can't always get it right. This movie was great. But Chris and I both watched Avengers Endgame. Yeah. In the theater when it came out, right? So, uh Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Well, I'm a lot more invested, I would say, because, of course, I grew up with Marvel Comics. I'm a comics reader still to this day. Um, and of course I also grew up with like X-Men animated series and stuff. So oh, I, I love always, that animated series. I've always, uh, kept up and, uh, I'm invested. So, you know, I shed a tear during ingame and I thought infinity war was amazing. see to me also on a technical standpoint, mm-hmm. I come at it from a different perspective that way because, uh, this has never been done before in yeah. 10 years. We've got 21 movies or something that are culminating in a shared universe into one crescendo. And I thought they did it. I couldn't have asked for anything better. And like you're seeing a lot of like blowback with some different series or different movie series that just didn't end the way that people want or whatever. But these people really, really, really care about this, not only as an investment at, you know, Disney and Marvel Studios, but something they really are passionate about and care about just as much as the fans do. And so it was handled so well. It was like watching someone put together a million piece puzzle uh, and, and, and doing it. Very, very well and perfectly. So, uh, there's people that have their issues with the film or whatever. I'm not one of them. Um, it's like yet again, it's not like Oscar-winning, amazing. I don't know at that point. I think, I think, come the end of the year, I think that Avengers will probably be. I'm hoping it does get recognized for the achievement, at least technically and storytelling-wise. That that it is. Uh, nothing ever has been done like that before. And uh, it was you know. a
1: very, very good movie. It was well-made. I mean, I, I think that if I were making it, I probably would have cut maybe 20 minutes out of it, you know, but I think like, even then, maybe not. I think it sort of needed every single piece of that movie to tell the story that mm-hmm. it was. I mean, I'm coming from a place where I have not seen all the movies leading up to it. I started out very strong with the Marvel universe. Cause I, I went to go see them with you and, you know, my husband and, and sort of like fell off the wagon somewhere. But, Watching Endgame, I I can see the level of artistry that went into it. And, you know, I sort of want to go back and, like, see some of the movies that I didn't get to see.
0: Yeah, because, of course, if you didn't see you know, maybe like half of those movies or like a third or something, then you're missing some of that.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen Ant-Man. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I can see how this movie can be recognized by the Academy. I can see a best picture nomination for this completely. Mm. I mean, if anything, if you look at like Lord of the Rings, when, when it finally won best picture for return of the King,
0: part of it was because of its achievement.
1: Exactly. Right. And I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, because if you really want to look at it, like Lord of the Rings itself is one long movie. And if you really want to look at it, I mean, the Marvel Universe could also be one long movie, right? You
0: could think of it that way easily. And uh yeah, I mean, it's not probably gonna, not going to win any acting awards or things like that, but... You know, it could certainly be up for, you know, editing, directing, visual oh, sure. effects, the technical awards, things like that. But if they, you know, if, of course, the Academy Awards is about achievement, then this would be it. Yeah. You know, this would be something that at least needs to be nodded at.
1: And it should be. I mean, don't be cowards, Academy. You can, you can nominate movies that deserve to be nominated.
0: Yeah. You know, when did you shed a tear? I'm curious. So a lot of people shed a tear when Iron Man dies. Yeah. Sorry. Spoilers. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oops. Oh. well if the film flamer spoiled something but you know you. what good <laughs> everyone's
1: seen this fucking movie it made like a gobbledygillion billion dollars already so i mean like come on
0: yeah if you have not seen this film like what cave are you living in and when can i move in but Fuck. um no <laughs> <laughs> and do you have wi-fi but uh, no <laughs> uh yeah like i cried when and when captain america or whatever is standing Alone, essentially against uh, Thanos, yeah, which is a really good villain. Honestly, he's not cartoonish, other than being cartoon. But (laughs) he's
1: like he's a multi-dimensional villain. He really is.
0: And uh, and then all the portals start opening up, and all of the heroes come out, and like one by one, you see like he's not alone. And. You know, you, when you see all the people that have died down. have come back and everything and my eyes are tearing up as I, you know, <laughs> but like for me, like for the, like the comics fans, I think that's the moment versus like Iron Man dies. It's like, yeah, like it's not meh, it's, it's sad. Right. But it it's is just sad. like, to me, the moment was like the loyalty and the, you know, camaraderie camaraderie and, and, yeah. you know, we're like, we're here for you. We're backing you up and everything else. It was a, it was a cool moment.
1: I think we all know that I love a touch of melodrama to everything, right? I mean, I'm I'm not happy unless it's on like the cusp of soap opera, and at the very opening, again, spoiler alert, of Endgame when Hawkeye's family is like, mm-hmm. you know, snapped away or whatever, I was crying so hard. I was like, this movie's gonna be so good. I feel it,
0: and then I didn't really cry again. But well, you need to you need to watch it again when it comes out on video at home. Yeah. Feeling you might like it more, probably the more familiar you are with these characters. I think the more.
1: And that's true. And I will say, when all those portals open and the the heroes are coming out, as soon as the Valkyrie came out on Pegasus, I mean, I almost spit out my PBR. I was just like,
2: yeah! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> yeah it was a good movie i'm glad that i saw it <clears throat> so and i i and, withdraw and i got fatigue. a surprise tilda swinton
0: cameo which oh
1: that's amazing. right and she, it, that that reminds me too because i also told chris i was like i think i need to watch dr strange
0: it's probably the most visually <clears throat> impressive of all of them up up into infinity war and endgame it's yeah amazing. i think
1: I'm, I'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch
0: it yeah so um I guess uh, the next thing I want to talk about, man, this is heavy. Uh, we got peak pop culture, guys. It's it's like with in game and everything else. Game of Thrones. Uh, I watched the the long night. And the Bells episode, so that was episode three and episode five, and of course we are recording this uh, the day before the series finale, so obviously as you listen to this, we're going to get more, but really the long night, um, and I'm going to talk about this less of a Game of Thrones series standpoint, and more of like Judging these episodes by themselves, we got two different episodes one that takes place at night, one that takes place during the day, one that has to do with ice, one that has to do with fire, and they were both essentially horror movies. Mm-hmm. And The Long Night is basically one, you know, hour and a half horror movie uh, as an episode of television, essentially. And it was done really, really well. The tension was done really, really well, in my opinion. Um, the pacing was done really well. Uh, Those zombies got. World War Z up in that you know castle or whatever, and um, there was a lot of really really cool horror moments in this episode. Oh, from sure. like a single person trying to keep away from zombies, you know, to the hordes of zombies coming towards an army, towards all the torch lights of the army trying to fight the zombies suddenly disappearing and wondering what happened to them. And there's a lot of really, really cool horror moments. And, uh, I couldn't not talk about that on our horror podcast, you know? And of course the bells where, uh, spoiler, (laughs) Daenerys goes the cray cray and basically burns (laughs) down, (laughs) burns down the entire city. And, you know, women, children, everyone, um uh, just burns them all to a crisp and uh yeah that was pretty horrific because we see you know the 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 view on the streets essentially we don't get it from Daenerys' perspective we or the dragon's perspective we get it from people watching and being you know from above in the castle and we also get it on the ground mainly uh and showing how horrific it is to be on the other side of that and it was like uh you know it was really, really, really technically well done and well directed uh episode. Uh I think we could have a whole episode dedicated to th- like the themes and the character development and things like that in these episodes. But that's not what I wanted to mention. I just wanted to call out these two episodes as really, really good pieces of filmed horror.
1: Well, and I think that maybe sometime on Patreon coming up, once we've had time to sort of digest this final season, we might be able to have some sort of like look back on Game of Thrones and at least talk about the the final season itself. But you're right. I think that so so far in this last season of Game of Thrones, we've gotten so much horror I that the, um, the Long Night episode where Arya is like stuck in the library – with those zombies and she's trying to be very quiet and sort of escape, I mm-hmm. think is an amazing piece of horror cinema. Right? Sure, Yeah. I mean it's it's classic. It's classic Romero. I mean, it's just it's amazing.
0: Uh I had a hard time with that episode because it was so dark a little bit. Oh, see, like I I didn't have that problem, I guess, on my screen. Everyone in the world basically had that problem. I didn't notice it because I have like I'm a huge nerd. And I calibrate my TV to like perfection. Yeah. And of course I have like a 4K like <laughs> OLED TV. I'm streaming it too. So I get the color banding and stuff because that just comes with the stream. Right. But you're going to see a whole lot more if you ever get this on Blu-ray or something else. Also, when you're watching this at peak times, mm-hmm. the day or the even the day after, you're probably not going to get the best stream either. Even if you have the best connection because other people, so many more. I mean literally I just, I, I just saw uh, an article that literally a third – of all of America, population number wise, is watching Game of Thrones every.
1: <laughs> and that's <laughs> every fucking Sunday amazing. Night. Like, yeah. really, when we say like height of pop culture, if we have something like Endgame and the end of Game of Thrones, like in the same time period, this is something that people are going to talk about.
0: Forever. I mean, we're a population of 300 plus million people, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that means 100 million people essentially are what, Just in America are, are watching, you know, Game of Thrones. On a so. pay for channel. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and that's
1: that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I will say from the Bells episode, I really, really enjoyed. And again, I mean, like spoilers, but I mean, come on. Um, when Arya was like left alone in that city and she finally woke up and everything was done. It was like full-on horror-adjacent disaster realness when she's covered in that ash Mm. and she finds that horse and shit. Poor baby Kill Bill. Poor baby Kill Bill. I know. (laughs) But she found that horse. I mean, come on. And she wrote it to, we assume, safety. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. But, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, those episodes were great. In a season that... Maybe lackluster to people's opinions now, but I think later on
0: we might change our mind. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I've looked back a lot, and I've looked back at other things. I think a lot of this is that we waited a year and a half for it. Yeah, and everyone just wants it to be perfect, right? Exactly. But it's like it's like what Ramsey said in an early season. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. That's
1: right. Yeah,
0: it was never going to have anything more than a bittersweet ending at best, right? (laughs) And, I mean, we'll
1: probably at some point have some sort of episode talking about Game of Thrones, and we don't know sort of what channel that'll be on, but stay tuned. It mm-hmm. should be coming up. Um, I watched a movie on Netflix that I have been looking forward to for the greater part of a couple years, and that is um, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And it is a movie about Ted Bundy. And his relationship to a woman that he was with while he was murdering a whole bunch of women.
0: The trailer so. for that was off putting to me. It seemed like it was like making it almost like a rom com or something. And then people were just like crushing over him or whatever and Well he's hot. But the whole yeah. thing like kind of weirded me out to a point where it's like, this is getting a little ridiculous. And, uh, based on that trailer and then the, the reaction that I was seeing online, like the, you know, the tongue in cheek memes of, Oh, Dahmer's so hot or whatever. I'm just like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into this. Well, I'm here to tell you the movie itself is very good. Oh, like it is. It I mean, it has its problems. It's not a
1: perfect movie. I got onto letterbox and I rated it a three star. So do like is...
0: romanticize
1: Dahmer. No, it's not. Well, I it mean it's Bundy.
0: Oh fuck. <laughs> it didn't romanticize Bundy? No, it's not about Bundy, really.
1: It's about oh. <laughs> it's about sorry. the it's you're about like, the woman a- that he was with during all this.
0: <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> you are like, it's not Dahmer and then it was like Bundy and you're like, It's not about Bundy, and I'm like Who it's- is that about? <laughs> So, I
1: mean, like, the movie is about the relationship between Ted Bundy and the woman that he was seeing while he was committing these murders, right? Mm. And a lot of it is told from her perspective. It's like, you know, all these stories you hear about, like, the spouse figuring out that their, you know, loved one is a serial killer or murderer or something like that and how they they take it. Uh, There's not a single death in this movie. You don't get to see a single murder at all. It's just about, you know, watching... This couple, while he's slowly going insane and doing all these things. So what's the so what here? Just to show that other
0: perspective as a piece of interest? Or? Well, I mean, she wrote a book and it's based on the book okay. or whatever, okay. you know, her okay. memoir. Enough.
1: But Zach Efron is amazing in this movie. I mean, like, he plays Ted Bundy to a T you know I mean like comparatively they look similar right but you can tell that he sort of like studied him in some sort of way to get his acting down like there's like dead behind the eyes even like he just he does it so well I'm
0: sorry that just reminds me of the uh, Thor Ragnarok's director uh Titi right. right oh what we do in the shadows yeah. and he's gonna play or he's playing Hitler in a movie coming up. is he really and like <laughs> did you do any research It's like no I didn't do any research because he's a fucking cunt and I know not am like <laughs> a fucking cunt well I mean like and I, that I
1: know a- that Zegar from was an executive producer on this movie or whatever. And so it premiered at Sundance and it didn't have a distributor at that point. And so Netflix bought it and I was like, oh great, it's going to be really shitty. But I mean, it was an enjoyable watch. So was that the name of the book too? Yeah. Wow. She must be angry. It's a really bad title for a movie too, don't you think? It's real long. I mean, I had to like, I have to look down every time. And I just wrote the acronym E-W-S-E-N-V and I had to think to myself like, deep down, what is it? and and I, I hope i said it right extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile no vile yeah okay so. either way it's good it's a good movie okay and Zach efron's really pretty and you get to see his butt you know i mean but like for people who are really into true crime which i am not as much as i was in the past you know but i mean it was a decent movie about true crime a lot of times you get some really really shitty ones and this is this is good i mean we're talking about oscar nominations for endgame i wouldn't be surprised to hear him talked about for award season maybe not the oscars possibly the golden globes or something right but i mean like he did a, a really good job like i think that he's like i think he's losing his like disney cred or whatever and slowly coming into an actual actor so and i that makes me happy.
0: That <laughs> is just he seems so douchey to me in every role. Like, I'd fuck him. I don't care. Oh, God. Um, I saw Aquaman.
1: Oh, my God. Did you? My husband wants to see it so badly. Really? Yeah. He's he like, I need to watch it with him because he always brings it up. And only because he thinks that actor is so fine.
0: Well, he was, this actor is, what is his name? From I Game know. of
1: Thrones. Yeah, I don't I don't even know his name
0: on Game of Thrones. Uh and Stargate Atlantis. Was he weirdly in
1: on Atlantis? Yeah. Oh,
0: of shit. course now he's playing King of Atlantis or whatever <laughs> in Aquaman. Um God, what is this name? Jason No. J Jay- yeah jason momoa jason momoa something like that jason Momoa. so yeah, it's jason momoa of game of thrones and several other uh i think it was like on hawaii 50 or something originally without a beard and everything which wow uh and then of course he was on stargate atlantis for a quick minute um yeah but yeah he's best known of course for aquaman and uh, game of thrones stuff but um at first i was just like i'm not a big huge dc fan to begin with um you know, I I'm, you know, I like Superman or Batman, you know, uh like the rest of them, I guess. Uh, I'm more of a Marvel guy. Uh their movies have really been kind of try hard. Um I did like Wonder Woman, but um I haven't really liked really anything that they've been coming out with in the last 5 years or so, I guess. But uh this was done by one of my favorite horror directors, mm-hmm. um, of course, James Wan. James Wan, and uh honestly, like at first, I was just like, "Okay, this is a shitty script. This is really cartoony to- storytelling." And then, if you just let yourself like get into it, like, and I was on an airplane watching this, <laughs> and for lack of anything better to do, and I was just like, "I'm curious." Um, and so I watched it, and it was just I, I finally just kind of gave myself over to it, and it was fun. It was just really honest popcorn fun. Like it didn't take itself too seriously. And then as the movie goes on, it just weirdly gets more and more beautiful because like the underwater scenes can be incredibly well done. Like Avatar, you know, times 10 or something like there's a scene where they're like escaping a bunch of like evil things or whatever on a boat. And there's lightning in the background and there's like hundreds of them and then they dive down deep into the water to try and escape them even more. And they have a flare. And so you see this, this blackness because they're so deep in the water of this flare going straight down in the water. And this like hurricane of rotating evil monster things trying to go down. And it's just oh, what, like a really? beautiful, beautiful <laughs> shot. And there's so a lot of different shots like that. It was done so well visually. Um, I have to get this on 4k uh HDR or whatever, because It's probably going to be one of the best things to showcase that kind of technology, and you know, um, the 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 things they achieved on the screen visually is just amazing. Panned though, like no, it got good reviews and it made a shit ton of money. Aquaman just came out of nowhere because everyone expects Superman or Batman or even Wonder Woman uh, to do really well and the Aquaman came out and it was James Wan people were like okay and it came out and it did super super well
1: well you're right I'm looking at it right now on IMDb it's got a 7.1 out of 10 so I mean that's pretty good and I'm going
0: through this cast Nicole Kidman yes Is Nicole Kidman in it Dolph Lundgren yeah Dolph Lundgren's in it uh, Patrick Wilson Patrick Wilson of course the James Wan mainstay yeah um, there's a couple others uh, god what's his name oh uh, Lee Wannell's
1: in this movie too
0: I don't remember him but there's another big guy. He plays cargo pilot. Who's <laughs> the uh, actor that played uh, Green Goblin? Spider-Man series. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, is also in this. Willem Dafoe is also in this, and uh, he was great as always.
1: Okay, I knew I. I have to see this movie eventually. It's
0: just fun. It's okay. not. It's not cerebral. It's not particularly well written, but it's just fun. I mean, this- I,
1: I oftentimes will throw my husband a bone and say, oh, well, that came out wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, like, so we went, we watched Thor Ragnarok and we watched Infinity War and we saw Endgame together. And I know he really wants to see this. And so, I mean, like, I, I'm going to have to watch it eventually. So, I mean, I now that you've said that it's good, I'm more in line for it. However, I will say that we've watched all these comic book movies together and he has yet to watch a horror movie with me in the next, the last, like, months. So if you're listening, husband of mine, <laughs> your time has come. <laughs> <laughs> did Guys, you ever see uh, The Field Guide to Evil? I did. Oh, I did watch that one. I know we, we had talked about that. We saw this trailer um, when we saw Climax, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we were intrigued by it, and uh-huh. then um, it ran at the Alamo Drafthouse for about a week in multiple cities, and it was always at a time that no one could go see it, right, at like 10 p.m. on a Monday. So, uh, But it was also released on Amazon to rent or buy, and I was like, I'm going to buy this because I know it's going to be good. And, I mean, it is and it isn't.
0: Is it a three for you?
1: I, I, I rated it a three. For those of you who don't know what it is, it is an anthology about uh, folklore from around the world. So different directors and writers have created their short film essentially from a piece of folklore from their specific country. And some of the stories are fantastic. So
0: that leads me to think that it's supposed to be representative of that country in a way, right? It should be. That's what I would think and then too. I was asking you about the American one, and you were like, "Uh, no, it's just like so random."
1: Yeah, I had. I mean, so the American one is about the melon heads. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And I was just like, I don't know what this fucking is. And I've lived in America for forty years, and I'm like, <laughs> really? So I had to. I had to get onto Google to see what a melon head was, and apparently, it is a part of folklore from America. I was like, but really, out of everything that we have like the fucking hook America like, like that. Canada
0: or Brazil or America
1: like <laughs> the Appalachian area oh, or something well. I don't know it was not the American one was terrible the first two stories in this movie are so so good oh really? Wow. and they're kind of long too I mean I think one like stretched really close to the 20 minute mark and for an anthology that was a lot, but it was so well-made and so pretty to look at. And it had some like LGBT themes going on in it. And I was like, this movie is going to be great if we Uh keep doing this. And unfortunately that was not the case with this. I mean like other, like other anthology movies, not every story is going to be as good as the one you saw before that. Yeah. But I mean, out of like, I think like the seven or eight that were shown, Half were, were very, very good. The other half, however, were very, very not. Oh, there so, you go. I ones mean, and fives equal a three. There you go. I mean, I would recommend that people go watch this, especially if you are interested in folklore or other what, cultures. Like if
0: nothing else, like for a piece of ed- ed- edutainment.
1: Yeah, for real. I mean, you, you can learn a lot and I, I did, I, I Googled some of these like folklore tales and I learned a little bit more about them after I watched it. And to be fair, I mean, I did not watch this movie in one long sitting. I sort of broke it up and I think it's okay to do that in an anthology, especially when the anthology is not tied together by any sort of overarching story. And this one is not, it's just one story after another. So. Yeah. You can find it on Amazon. Go watch it and let me know what you think about it. I mean, I, I sort of stand by my judgment. Now that I've purchased this movie, and I almost never say this, but I'm not going to watch it again.
0: Okay, well. so Thank you for sparing me.
1: <laughs> no, you should watch it. I want to know what you think. Okay. But only watch the ones that I say are good.
0: <laughs> well, I kicked off Pride Month by watching Finally, Love, Simon.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I still haven't seen this movie.
0: It was good. It was not particularly the best written thing I've ever seen, as far as dialogue, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it was like it was kind of refreshing to see a movie that was mainstream and like teen um, dramedy. Yeah. I would say. Um you know, that is you know, it's obviously a coming out story and everything that kind of surrounds that. Um, but it just it really seemed it wasn't like a um it wasn't camp you know it wasn't over the top like uh, american pie and it wasn't camp like uh like a stereotypical older gay movie might be you know or something that you, you you might see um it was very real and it was very heartfelt and uh i really really enjoyed it so if any of you have been on the fence for seeing uh something like love simon i would definitely check it out Well, and that describes me because I was on the
1: fence about seeing this movie. I know that when the trailers first came out, uh, me and my husband were like, oh, we should go see that. You know, it'd be a good date movie for us to go watch. And we just never did. And then we never watched it at home
0: either. But I liked it because it's not black and white either. Like there's some things that the protagonist does that he gets in trouble for. You know, um, uh, that's part of his journey of coming out and stuff and how it affects other people in your life, too, for better or worse. Regardless of whether accepted or not, sometimes there's other things that happen while you're in your process. And so it's just really interesting to see that on a, a side of like friendships and families and stuff like that.
1: So when you say dramedy, would you say it's more of a drama or a comedy though? I mean, like, I. Well, it's a
0: drama with funny elements in
1: it. And, I mean, because I, I want to see gay movies that make me happy, you know?
0: Oh, it ends on a good note. No, it's okay, not, that's all I need to know. Yeah, it's right. not the one that's about gay conversion therapy or anything. Uh, or race. No, it's just yeah. a good, like, story it's just a good coming out story and uh it's kind of about the journey and everything and uh it's it's fairly lighthearted. i mean
1: so really the next time my husband and i sit down and to our living room to watch maybe a double feature of movies we should start with aquaman and like ogle over the hot guy and then go into love simon and be like oh by the mm-hmm, end of it sure. i mean mm-hmm. okay i mean i'll take your recommendation there you go Oh, this makes me so mad. Guys, finally, I have been looking forward to a specific documentary that premiered at um, Salem Horror Fest, I think, last year. And that was the Scary Stories documentary, which is about the scary stories to tell in the dark books for children that came out in the 80s and early 90s. And there's a Del Toro movie coming out this summer about it. So, I mean, like everyone is talking about this sort of thing. And I was ready, ready to watch this documentary about how these books were based. From libraries and the controversy that surrounded both the books and the art that was, you know, contained mm. in it. And unfortunately, this documentary is a piece of shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, like if they had just stuck to talking about why these books were banned and I mean, there's lots of like talking heads from librarians who come on and say, like, no, we need to keep these books in our library for X, Y and Z is teaching children about folklore and how to collect stories and things like that. It would have been great. But we are given just, like, these random people who pop up and they're like, yeah, I love these books so much that I had them tattooed on me. Or I love these books so much that whatever. And I'm just like, no, I'm I'm not really here to see, like, the art you've created. I want to know about the story behind making these books and the
0: controversy they faced. So it was like the wrong perspective. Right. For me. How could you sit down and make a movie like that?
1: Well, and that's the thing is this is almost an hour and a half documentary. Oh my gosh. And it should have been a short documentary. If it were a short feature documentary, a good like 30 to 45 minutes, it would have been perfect. But there was way, way too much. And I have been looking forward to this for so long and I was hideously let down. And after I finished it, I was like, my God, if the Del Toro movie. Is bad. I'm going to be crushed. So um, it's already been made. It's already coming out in August. So there's no stopping it now. But um, if you are looking for a horror movie documentary to watch, do not watch this one. Go. I can. I'll list you another. Just hit me up on Twitter, and I'll give you a whole list of horror movie documentaries to watch. But Scary Stories is not one of them. what I got onto Letterboxd and. Chris, would you say that more often than not, I'll rate movies around like the three to four area, right?
0: Uh, I'd say I'm more average of three, you more average of four. Yeah, Yeah. I gave it a two. Ooh.
1: (laughs) It was the first movie I've watched this year that I rated a two on Letterboxd. you, You gotta
0: be really bad to piss him off that much to give you a two. I did not enjoy it.
1: Before we run off... Uh last month we talked about Billie Eilish and how her dark sounding music sort of like gave us these horror vibes and how we wanted to talk about like darker music that we found. Mm-hmm. And uh it just so happens that one of my favorite musical artists, Ingrid Michaelson, is releasing a new album in July to coincide with the release date of the 3rd season of Stranger Things. And that's because her entire album called Stranger Songs is inspired by the TV show Stranger Things. <gasps> no. Yeah. At any rate, she released a single and it's very 80s sounding, but almost in a 2019 sort of way. And she came out as saying that the story in the song is about a love triangle from the show, which is um, Nancy, the sister of one of the boys and, you know, her two love interests, the preppy guy and Winona Ryder's son. I have to say, honestly, I've only seen the first season of Stranger Things. We know what you're talking about. Good. Anyway, it's an awesome song. It's sort of horror Jason. I think everyone should go listen to it, and perhaps at the end of the show, you might hear a little bit of it. I've added it to my playlist. Good. Well, guys, I think that we have shot the flames quite enough for Jim. Oh, yeah, this is an extra-long shooting the flames. Good. Well, I hope you all enjoy it. Um, if you have anything to add to our discussion, please go to social media and find us at The Film Flamers on Facebook and Twitter. And I'm proud to announce that we finally have an Instagram account. We weren't too old to use it. That's right. <laughs> well, we still maybe. I'm learning. So bear with me. I'm trying my hardest, but go over to Instagram and find us. Also, the Film Flamers. You can also email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. That's right. You can also find all of our episodes in the past at our website at FilmFlamers.com. And if you want even more content, like we said earlier, head over to Patreon.com slash TheFilmFlamers and find all of our bonus content. We are always putting that out there for you and adding some more new interesting stuff soon. So go check that out. You can find all bonus episodes for as little as two dollars.
0: And stay tuned for next week when we honor Pride Month by covering Stranger by the Lake. And we might have a special surprise in store for you as well. Look forward to that. Well, Chris, I don't think I have anything to say. I am
1: certainly a tired queen right now. So
0: I'm a tired queen. You're a tired queen.
1: Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Well, I just admitted to that. I don't know. <laughs> We're getting off the rails. So until next month, guys. Sweet dreams.
2: He's got his hands in all the right places, but the wrong faces in front of me. I close my eyes and see you so clearly, but you're not here, and it's killing.